Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly, for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. why we believe it. And that's called Revelation. That's not the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ like the last book in the Bible. This is about what God does to reveal himself. And so let's take a look at what that has to say. So, how God revealed himself and his plan. Theologists, theologians, say that there's two ways that God has done that. He's done it general revelation, and special revelation, okay? And now what we're going to do is we're going to break those two down and we're going to find out the differences between the two and what each one reveals about God and how he uses those to make himself known to us, okay? I should tell you a quick story about Anybody ever heard of, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, the winner, Candy, who's the gal that wrote uh, Out of the Salt Shaker into the World? Yes. Becky Pipper. Becky Pipper Manley. So Becky, P- Becky Pipper Manley was a brilliant college student at the time. Uh, and she was an atheist. And she was having a running discussion slash argument with a pastor that she knew about whether or not there really truly existed a God and whether Jesus was God. And she just was bright. And so she had this pastor backed into a corner, you know, and she was really letting him have it. Anyway, she was at a picnic one day, and she's she's sitting on the ground on the picnic the blanket, and the food's out, and ants are just coming in like crazy, you know, and they're just like crawling on the food, and she's batting them away, you know, and they're really being annoying. And she was like, these dumb ants, don't they realize what I could do to them? You know, like a flick of my finger, they could be gone, it could be history, you know? And then she just got into her mind, and she was like, yeah, she goes, well, she goes, maybe I have to, ants, just go away. Well, they're not going to understand me because they're ants and I'm a human being, you know. And, and then she was like, you know, there's no other way to do it, but I'd have to become an ant so I could speak ant, and they would trust me because now I'm an ant. And then she said, oh, but I would have to prove that I'm not an ant, I'm a human being. So I'd have to keep some of my powers. And all of a sudden she was like, oh, my goodness. That's exactly what Jesus done. He's God, come as a human being to explain himself to us, and he's shown us his, himself and proven it with his power. And obviously she went on to become this fabulous apologist, wrote this book, Out of the Salt Shaker, Into the World, and you know we had, blood, we had a really great time to know her for a couple of years, and she speaks all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people just come to Christ in droves. I mean, she's like, if she was Billy Graham, everybody would know about her, you know, but she's married. Uh, Pepper Manley. Uh, I keep forgetting. Anyway. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's a story. <laughs> <laughs> that's early. 
So general revelation. General uh, revelation, revelation in general, by the way, the underlined words here, you should find, be able to pump, pump, uh, put them into your spaces that you have in your notes. Revelation is what God made known about himself and about that which he requires of humankind. So God is revealing things about himself and things about us. So the big question then, has God revealed everything there is to know about his person? What do you think? No. Yeah, even if he does, we probably miss some of it, right? Yeah. So the answer is no. God has not revealed everything there is to know about himself. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, someone want to read that for us? Sure. The sacred things belong to the Lord our God, and the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of, his, of this law. What jumps out at you about that? Anything? Or what are some of the things that jump out at you about that? Some things are secret. Some things are just secret. We're never going to know. That's the way it is. What else? Anything else? The things revealed to us belong to us. Yeah, they belong to us. They're given to us. We're stewards of it. How are we stewards of it? Good. Cultivating, growing, watch with, over it. With who? The children. Our children. Yeah. Our children. It's amazing how God says, this is for you and your children. You know, it's, that's what a blessing believing parents are to their children. I mean, they will never walk away from knowing about your faith. They may walk away from faith for a time or whatever, but they will never be able to get away from the fact that you were a believer. And that will always be there. In some cases, haunting them. In some cases, encouraging and challenging them. So, yeah. So that's really very important. You know, we're not going to know everything about God. Um, he's just way, infinitely greater than our capacity to ever comprehend. Or, and there's things he's just not going to reveal about himself. Like whether he's a packer or a bear fan, <laughs> we will never know. General revelation. Okay. Now this is important. General revelation. This aware is the awareness of God is expressed through creation and conscience. Okay? So what's not there yet in general revelation? The Bible's not there yet. It's not talking about the Word. It's talking about creation and conscience. So how is that possible? So look at this uh, Romans 1.20. Someone want to read that to to the group. <clears throat> I'll read it. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, is that the one you want me to read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made, what has been made, what has been made, so that humankind are without excuse. Do I read the next one too? Mm -hmm. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night and at night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. Alright, so anyway, we'll stop there. But so look at that first verse there. 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, which are his eternal, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that no one's without excuse. No one. Whether they see the Bible ever or not, they're without excuse. They need to know that there is a one powerful God. So what do we learn about? What are some of the things they think, looking at creation, think about what creation is and how, you know, all of the various forms there are things that God's created. What do we learn about God's invisible, His eternal power and divine nature, His invisible qualities? What are some of the things that we can learn about God from just looking at what He made? One thing is he can bring about something major from something very small, like the mustard seed, talking about that's one of the largest plants to, to grow, and it's the tiniest seed. I mean, I, I'm a gardener, so I like those kind of illustrations. I mean, you plant something. There's this little seed, and all of a sudden, and it ends up, hopefully, not always, but, I mean, it's incredible that out of that little thing comes this large plant, flower, whatever it is. Yeah. What else? You know, in the human body, which I've been studying, it's just uh, incredible the amount of complexity and design that's just inherently there. Um, you know, you're missing one little protein and you're dead, you know, and, and there's billions of them, um, which really is incredible. Great. What else? I think of the artistic side of it, you know, like the sunsets and Ooh, how it magnifies oh, everything yeah. over the earth and just how beautiful they are. And, and the sun rises as well. It's just, um, yeah, it's beautiful. In the process of a child being mm. born. You talk about seed. Mm. I mean, a, a mustard seed probably looks like a watermelon compared to, you know, ovum and egg, a sperm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think about rhythms. I think that God is a God of rhythm, you know. His, uh, the seasons are a rhythm. The sound waves are a rhythm. Our heartbeat is a rhythm. Mm -hmm. But there's something about God that likes cycles. He likes rhythms. You know, and, and our life actually goes through cycles. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I, to me that's like musical, you know. And, um, the, the skies proclaim the work of their hands. There's a, I mean, they've picked up a radio wave, from what I understand. Hopefully this is correct that is, is just emanating throughout the universe. I mean, they don't know what the source is. It's out there, you know? So, sound, or light waves. You have on one end of the spectrum, you've got microwaves, and the other side, I think you have uh, infrared, and there's everything in between, you know, and, and yeah. I used to take my staff uh, once a year into the woods, and I'd give them a notebook, and I'd say, okay, we'll be back in an hour or two. I just want you to tell me what you learned about God. You know, diversity. God doesn't like sameness. He likes difference. He likes variation. It's powerful. You know, you look at his creation, and it's a tsunami. I mean, we can't contain it. And that's nothing compared to his power. So there's so many, so many things. What a wonderful thing for you to just get out 
walk through creation and say, God, show me something. You know, the, the uh, conservancy of design, the hand of a human, the fin of a dolphin, and the wing of a bat all have five fingers. You know, it's amazing. You know, you just see things that God has created. Everyone has a heart, blood. I mean, there's a conservancy. He doesn't make different things. He, he uses similar things, you know. Anyway, just, I think it's stunning. And you're right, sun, sunrises, Kenny knows. I go away to see sun, sunrises, and I just sit there, and I'm like, wow. The magnificence. <coughs> yeah, systems. I remember sitting there once and just going through um, water and evaporation and rain coming down and going into the soil and, and then coming back up through trees and plants and, and uh, you know, and dew and then going back up into the sky and, and salt water becoming fresh through it and, and going up into the clouds and then condensation and then coming back down again, you know, and uh, I was just like, what a God. I mean, people will say that's an accident. You gotta, you gotta think about what you're saying. Any other thoughts before we move on about this idea of creation being part of God's expression, so that you could look at Him and say, "Oh my goodness." Now I think there's either Aztec or Inca, and I wish I remember which. But there is one king who they used to worship the sun god. And one day a cloud went in front of the sun and he realized that couldn't have been the God, the ultimate God. But there had to be a God higher than that God and it had to be one God. And he just kept thinking about it and thinking about it, you know. And, and we have, from what I understand, his writings, I mean, he never heard about the one true God. But uh, he, you know, another passage of scripture says, you know, um, for without faith it's impossible to, to, to uh, Please God. Please God. And those who um, those who please those who seek him must do it earnestly and believe that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And I believe anybody, anywhere in the world that all of a sudden realizes that there's one God and begins to earnestly seek him will find him. I mean God will bring a missionary. God will I mean, he'll do whatever it takes. So anyway. Oh, this is a witness of scientists. Samuel Morris, first telegraph, communicate. What hath God wrought? I mean, he realized what he discovered was something that God had, had given him. Dr. Jennifer Wiseman, she's an astronomer. She says, does this God speak to us? In a sense, through the wonders we discover through our telescopes, I believe God whispers through radio on all telescopes. This radio wave that's going out that she's discovered, she's, God is... He has put some kind of sound, a rhythm, in the universe. Michael Faraday, while meditating on the radiant glory of God, he drew radiating circles around the throne of God in his journal and immediately realized that these same radiating circles may be also the picture of radiating waves or electromagnetism. So he got some iron and he filed it down and he put it on a piece of paper and he put a magnet under it and just banged it like this. All of a sudden, he saw these radiating circles of electromagnetism. And he's just like stunned because he realized God let him see that. Francis Collins of the genome, 
the God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. He can be worshipped in the cathedral or in the laboratory. And he says that DNA, our DNA strand, is actually the language of God. It's the language of God. So, general revelation is also about conscience. This is also one of the proofs of God, by the way. General revelation provides a sense of moral standards of God having the works of God's law written in their, in their or man's heart. Romans 2, 14 through 15 says, Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, so they haven't seen it, they haven't, you know, uh, obeyed it because they don't even know it exists, do by nature the things required by law. They don't steal, they don't, you know, commit adultery, they don't lie. It says they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. This is another reason why there's no human being that's without excuse. God has written his laws on our hearts. Their conscience, there it is, is also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. So their conscience, God has not only written the laws on our hearts, on our treasure chest of our being, but he's, he's created this thing, conscience, so that it either says, that's the right thing to do, or that's the wrong thing to do. You're breaking a natural law that's in our hearts. So that's another aspect of general revelation is conscience. Candy, could you read 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 there? The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. So we have the capacity to make our conscience not work. Okay, to actually keep denying and denying and denying the existence of God, the truth of God in our hearts so that we don't believe it anymore. We don't, we don't even think it exists any longer. And I think you see that in the country, you know, and there's, you know, I happen to be very pro-life, and there's people who just absolutely, they're angry about people who say that that's a baby inside of a mother, you know? They're bitter about it. And in part, their consciences have just been seared to the truth. And the only thing that's going to change that is, is Jesus Christ. I think you see the moral relativism, relativism of today. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. relevant to my morals in that moment. And I think we're seeing that more and more in a, in a, on a national, national scale. Yeah. And our government is kind of showing that. I agree, yeah. A lot more dirty laundry is being exposed, <laughs> so to speak. So, I, yeah, that, the whole moral standard thing, I mean, I agree, we all have it, and now we're just trying to tweak it to fit what my standard is at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, this is their like four proofs uh, of uh, the existence of God that had nothing to do with the Bible, and, and this is the moral proof that no matter where you go in the world, lying is lying, stealing is stealing, murder is murder, you know, uh, adultery is adultery. 
you know. Um, of course, they always leave out the first couple commandments, you know, but uh, the ones that have to do with us, uh, everybody pretty much knows, you know. Any thoughts as you see this whole idea of conscience? Um, this is such a great thing. What a great tool for us. It saves us from a lot of trouble. Any thoughts about any of this idea? Or of the general revelation that God has revealed himself through what he's created and also that he's placed his rules in our hearts and given us a conscience. A chimney cricket. I go, hey, but okay, oh. <laughs> Did you notice your nose is getting a little longer? <laughs> that takes me back. <laughs> So general revelation, therefore, entails the general nature of God through creation and the general sense of his moral standards through a man's conscience. So we're saying, without anything except what exists around you, a person should begin to understand that there is a great God. And in fact, as you look at history, even, pag even pagans who serve idols realize there's gods. It's modern man that has to come around and become the atheist and say, no, there is no God. Okay. All right. Any questions about this before we move on? Because we're going to talk about special revelation next. Okay, special revelation makes known specifics about the character of God and about the need of man and God's provision for man's need. And special revelation is conveyed through the outworking of God's plan within the affairs of humankind and the sustaining nature uh, and a sustaining of nature as recorded in the Bible. Our, our blanks are different. It says special revelation makes known specifics about the character of God, about the Need. Okay, need of need. And the provision for man's need. Yeah, if it's a mistake, I'm sorry about that. I was my own chief current bottle washer. And then secondly, special revelation is conveyed through the outworking of God's plan within human affairs. So that is saying that we look at history and we see God actually the author of history, and he's using history, our history, to to um, to shape and to call people to himself. And then the second thing, which is really amazing, is that he is actually sustaining, and this is special revelation, the nature as recorded in the Bible. He's keeping everything going. He's keeping everything literally together. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we get there. So special revelation is history. The Holy Scripture chronicles the historical interventions by God in the affairs of humankind, like creation, like the flood. I mean, no matter where you go in the world, what elevation you're at, you could be at the, t the highest mountain and you will find shells, and ocean, you know, crustaceans at the highest elevations. So at one time, 
whether they were down low and lifted up, they were all underwater. I mean, you know, there are, I think it's 50, over 50 uh, uh, cultures that, that have a, a flood story. So it's not just Christianity. I mean, it's out there, you know. Um, also, the Exodus, the deliverance of Israel, the miracles that we see in Joshua. God ordained miracles. He brought down Jericho, the walls of Jericho. Uh, there's also the direct communications that God gave people through prophets. Uh, someone, I don't know if you want to turn in your Bible, somebody grab uh, Isaiah 10.24. Yeah, it's Isaiah 10.24, and then someone else get uh, Jeremiah 2.2. Let's read those and see what those say. I have Isaiah 10.24. Okay. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. My people who live in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians who beat you with a rod and lift up the club against you. As Egypt did. Okay, so what God did is He spoke to a person, and that person spoke to the people. And the evidence we have is that in Scripture, and He, you know, God told the people through the prophet not to be afraid of this group of people. So He was revealing through people, prophets, that special revelation. Uh, the second is that we have the person of Jesus Christ. You know. Uh, Somebody want to go to Hebrews 1, 1 through 2? It talks about who Jesus is in, in this context. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. I have it. Okay. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. All right. So not only did God speak to people, his creatures, who then spoke on his behalf, but God spoke to us himself through his Son. So... God's special revelation was actually Himself. The Logos. You know, the way I look at it, if God's Word is called Logos, which is Word or communication, then He is able to communicate anything He needs to get that we need to know. Anything. You know, what? I, I, my son and I, we had a conversation about the different ways He talks to us. You know, and how we were talking about how He talks to us through prayer. We pray and all of a sudden God reveals something to us. He talks to us in His Word. We could open up His Word and we could read it and then all of a sudden we see that God is revealing things to us, truth to us. He talks to us in worship. You know, we worship Him and our hearts are open to Him and we have a sense of His presence and, you know, uh, it's just, it can be just awe-inspiring. Um, anybody here have God talk to them in your circumstances? He'll use circumstances to talk to you. You know another way? When you serve, He'll speak to you. He'll begin to reveal Himself, His Son, the servant, as you take on His, uh, his service. And He uses you 
as your hand as his hands and his arms and his heart. I yes. can I can relate to that because that's how sowing seeds ministry started. Mm -hmm. So when I was at the very beginning and making the masks, all the time I was making them, I kept hearing how this ministry was going to unfold and and the possibilities of it. And then a year or so later, after it started coming together, everything fell in place. Everything there was there was nothing that I had to work hard at to make happen. It just it, the Lord just opened up the floodgates, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, we already talked about creation being another way God speaks to us. You know, our conscience. So God is the, the consummate communicator. And anything you need to know, just like that word says, the hidden things are for God, but the things revealed to you are for you. They're for you and your children forever, forever. So, so where does the Holy Spirit fall in that in terms of special revelation? Would we say the Holy Spirit kind of speaking to us about a, a service, for instance, mm -hmm. or going to see someone that's hurting? or Yeah. Is that like a special revelation? Would you... Well, it's, it's not special revelation in that it's revealing something new about God, but it's revealing to you your call. You know, the Spirit we know is the one who gifts us We'll talk about that later on. There are all these different gifts. And by the way, I don't believe the Bible lists all the gifts that are. It just lists you know, some of them, and there are other things that God uses uh, to give people. But um, yeah, the, the Spirit definitely will do that. He'll put, you know, like you, you always, I think we need to call somebody, you know, or I think we need to go visit somebody. I'm like, God didn't talk to me about that. <laughs> and then so we do, and it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> the wrong person is sitting there, and you know, should be up here. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's like amazing, you know, like you just see God just direct you, you know, by some sense, feeling, you know. I think moms get that about kids all the time. I mean, it's just like, and how do you know that? It, well, it's a, a woman's success. Intuition. Yeah. Well, you know. Where does that come from, right? Yeah, where right. does that come from? Right? <laughs> so we see that special revelation chron is, is uh, chronicled through historical interventions by God in the affairs of mankind, and these are some of the ways. Special revelation also is about God's plan. So it's not only about His person, it's about His plan. So unlike general revelation, the Holy Scriptures contains the truth necessary for faith and salvation. So like Simon Peter answered the Lord and said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There were no words of eternal life before Jesus. You know, there was the hope of covering of your sin, and that one day that one Messiah, the anointed, was going to come. But it was Jesus. It was Him. He came. So we find out not only about His person, but His plan. To pursue God as person, we need to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? We're all in on it. Four dimensions. But the Lord also says later on in, his, uh, in uh, Matthew 6, it says, but pursue or seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and everything else will be added unto you. So there's not only a pursuit of God as a person, but there's a pursuit of God's kingdom. That's his plan. That's what he's bringing everything to. And we're kingdom people. We're kingdom children if we're in Christ. We're part of that kingdom. And, and you know, right now we, we profess the gospel of people, but we live the kingdom. We live with integrity. We live honestly. We live the right way, rightly related to God, rightly related to ourselves. We have to be rightly related to ourselves because we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we don't love ourselves, we can't love our neighbor. To love uh, and to be rightly related to the people around us, to be rightly related to things, to be rightly related to circumstances. When we're rightly related to God, all those things begin to fall in place. You know, and then the pursuit of that kingdom and his righteousness says, if you take care of that, I'll make sure everything else is taken care of. When I sit down with businessmen and women around the table like this, I say, this is the second best promise in the Bible. The first one is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Can't beat that one. That's amazing. The second one, I said, let me rephrase it for you. I'll put it this way. God's telling you that if you keep your eye on his kingdom, he'll keep his eye on yours. I want to tell you, that's a good deal. <laughs> because you're getting the better end of the stick on that like, like crazy. So, but then there's this other thing that this special revelation is about the sustaining of creation. And I have to admit, I don't quite understand this, but it's true and I'm revealing it to you, that God's revealing it to you, I'm just sharing it with you. It says, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now, Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, will say, no, that's Jesus, a Mormon. Let's, let's say it, Jehovah's Witness. They'll say, well, actually, Jesus was the first created thing, and everything else was created through him. Okay? Well, if that's the case, then this Bible verse is wrong. Because it says everything was created. Everything was created by Jesus. Everything. So he can't have been the first one created by God to do the creation. Then everything would have been created. Everything except one thing would have been created. So it's really important to see that. And then it says, He, that is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You're being held together right now by the power of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you would just be a, a mass of exploded cells. Is that scientific show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The universe is being held together right now by God. Okay? How many people here know it holds together an atom? What are the components of an atom? Is it a proton? <laughs> Neutron. A neutron and? And? Electrons. Electrons, right. <laughs> the protons are positive, the electrons are negative, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and the electron actually holds the different protons together, and depending on how many electrons and protons they think there are, that creates an atom of a different element, okay? Protons are different sizes, different masses, 
but scientists uh, say that electrons are all the same size. And there's infant, and this is what's really interesting. <clears throat> you should go Google electrons. Google a picture of an electron. You know what you'll find? Nothing. There is no photograph of an electron. An electron is purely a theory. Now, recently they found what they thought is the path of an electron going through space, okay? But they've never seen an electron. They've just seen the effects of it. So scientists uh, theorize that there are the electrons. I mean, it could be. But they've just never seen one before. Now, I happen to think they're not going to find one. Oh, wait. So in 1929, <laughs> 29, something like this, it was like the beginning of the last century, which is really weird to say, um, there was a scientist who said, you know, hmm, all the electrons seem to be identical in size and in power. What if they're all, they all are identical? There's no difference in them. They're all exactly the same, and just the protons are different. And then he said, what if and he said, this is going to sound weird. What if there's a super electron, one electron that's holding everything in the universe together? It is traveling at such incredible speeds and is able to deflect and operate within time, change time, so that it could be at multiple places, what appears to be at the same time. And people, there's scientists out there that are taking this serious, but they won't take serious that it's Jesus Christ possibly Who's the electron, so to speak? That he's what's holding the whole universe together. I mean, I, to me, that's phenomenal. You know, and you can go check me out on this, go Google it, and you know, find it out, and you'll see that I'm pretty close to what I think I read. <laughs> so, um, special revelation teaches us that God is actually holding everything together. So. What do you think about what we just talked about, special revelation? Any thoughts about it? To me, it just feels like we keep compounding on the fact that humankind is without excuse. We start with your general thing, we're without excuse, and then it just keeps going more and more on it. Like the more that you understand or more that's revealed to you, you're just even less without excuse. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. God really cares for us. He went through a lot of effort to reveal himself. Mm -hmm. And with me, like, <clears throat> when I'm in my backyard, with the trees and the grass and everything, First they died during the winter. It looks like they're dead. Yeah, yeah. But then in the spring, they come alive. It's God's handiwork showing us what He's doing. Amen. And then the grass grows, so you got to cut it. <laughs> or your wife cuts it. No, my son. <laughs> but that's what I look at. I take my dog out and I'm just looking at everything going on. And when you look at it, like my wife said, with God's handiwork, with the grass, the trees, 
they grow up. Mm -hmm. Like they're reaching, reaching for God too. Yeah, amen. Yeah. I think that to Joel's point, you know, and during the Christmas seasons, it, it, it always brings out a lot of different thoughts and, and feelings for a lot of people of what Christmas is. Even even in the Christian sector, it's 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 can be polarizing at times of what people are worshiping or what what part of the Christmas story you're worshiping. And I don't know through this Christmas season. I, I don't know. Some, there was somewhere in one of the readings I was doing, um, and it was just really you know humbling to see once again that this this perspective of Jesus coming into the world was God's way of reconnecting us back to the relationship with Him. Yeah. Because sin had entered the world and the Old Testament it just plays out of all these just disruptions in the relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where He said, Look, I need to send my son. Yeah. So they can find a Savior that will bring you back to them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, was, it was really interesting because you're always like, oh, it's the baby Jesus, your birth, you know, and your, you know, the, all the miraculous signs with that. Um, it was just a nice, fresh perspective to, to see again that it was God's way of saying, look, I need you to reconnect with me. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what this is really about. Yeah, isn't it true, too, that most of our, not all of our relationships begin somehow with communicating, just talking? Or expressing something with writ a written note or an act, you know, there are all these forms of communication that draw another person to us or us to another person, and that's exactly what God does with His creation, with His Word, with the people He speaks through. It's so important to know about the general and um, special revelation because people say, "Well, what about the people who don't know about Jesus? Are you going to tell me they're going to go? You know, they're not going to go to heaven?" Well, you know, if I believe the Bible, they have no excuse. And that, and if they are truly pursuing knowing God earnestly, like Scripture says, that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him, and they will find Him. There is a, there is some a story I heard. You know, it's like probably like an urban legend, but in some mountain town, I think it was in South America. There is this group of people that had just believed and somehow had just come to believe that there was a one true God, you know, and um, they had not heard about the gospel, they didn't hear about anything. And somehow they got a, a missionary or somebody, uh, somehow they got a hold of the, one of these single station radios that was all Christian and they learned about the gospel. And I, I think they found that God, I think the story goes that they got that radio somehow by themselves. And then when the missionaries got to their their village to bring the gospel, there were already believers. <laughs> you know, but there had been someone who earnestly sought them. That's a nice thing. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, again, uh, you know, I did hear that from, you know, what I think was a missionary, probably a Moody. So I'll throw them under the bus, but. <laughs> But, you know, it's possible that that happens. There's going to be people who will tell you, well, actually, there's more revelation. You know, the angel Moroni mm -hmm. said that, uh, you know, 
The Bible's almost all got it all, but there's more books. You need to know more. You know, and that's Mormonism. There is a pastor, I think he's in the Southwest, his name is Furtick. Okay, this guy says he is the only way that you could accurately know God's revelation is only through him. And God is revealing things to him to this day. You know, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I probably laid it pretty black and white for this guy. He's a little more subtle than that. He's well respected. He's got a, you know, mega church. Thousands and thousands of people attend there. But he is, you know, he's different than this. Yeah, it's time. So, uh, one more slide I just want to show you, then we'll, we'll go. So, what God reveals about his person and his plan is theology. In other words, God's the word about God. That's what theology means. So, the study of God. Christology, that's the word on Jesus. Pneumology or pneumatology, that's the word of the Spirit. Ecclesiology, that's the word, the word on the church, or the word on the ones that are called out. Um, soteriology is the word on salvation. We met a guy at the Greek islands. His, name, his last name was Soteriakos. Yeah. I said, you know what your name means? He goes, yeah, salvation, the Greek islands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he knew. Uh -huh. Hermitology, harmatology, that's the, the study of sin, the word on sin. And eschatology, the word on the end, on the last days, okay? So we'll probably hit and touch somewhere along those. Next week, we'll take a look at the Bible, and I think that's going to be a lot of actually fun and very interesting. Please invite someone to come. If they just want to come to one, it's worth it. If I had my way, every member of this church would have to do a class like this. Hopefully a better one than this, but <laughs> a class like this. All right, well, thank you so much, everybody. See you next week. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.